millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. On DAB+, online, via the TalkSport app, and on your smart speaker. The Women's World Cup Show. It's a really, really good finish. I love goals like that. On TalkSport 2. Hello, hello. This is the Women's World Cup Daily Show on TalkSport 2. So England are into their first World Cup final since 1966. The Lionesses beat co-hosts Australia 3-1 in Sydney. And manager Serena Wiegmann is proud of her team for silencing such a hostile crowd. 80,000, 85,000 people behind Australia. So, of course, it's going to be a tough game. It's a good team. They grew in the tournament. Uh, but then winning 3-1 is just really incredible. So pretty much the whole stadium was supporting Australia. But one player who didn't pay too much attention to that was goal scorer Lauren Hemp, who knows the togetherness of her squad is proving so important in this tournament. I feel like there's so much inner belief in this squad. Like, it's crazy. Like, no matter what's happening in the outside world, I feel like we all have so much confidence in the team. The Lionesses though still have one obstacle left to overcome if they want to be crowned world champions and Alessia Russo is not underestimating their opponents Spain. They'll be really tough um, I think yeah they've done incredibly well this tournament but every single game's been tough this tournament so um, it's going to be a real tough test but we'll be ready and, and all prepared. We'll have live commentary of England Spain in the World Cup final on TalkSport on Sunday with build up from Box Park at Wembley don't miss that and don't miss this show either loads to get through this is the Women's World Cup Daily Show on TalkSport 2. I'm Neve Charles and you can listen to the Women's World Cup on TalkSport. Happy Wednesday, you lovely lot. How's everyone feeling now that we know England are in a World Cup final? Are we breathing deeply? I hope so. Uh, delighted to say that hot-footing it from the commentary booth, Leanne Sanderson is with me, uh, fresh from commentary duty. That was so exciting, Leanne. Um, and we're through. Yeah, we are. I mean, it's been an absolutely incredible journey. We haven't played that well in certain games against, apart from against China. It's been amazing. And then now, you know, we're finally in the World Cup final. I mean, how good does that sound? First time since 1966. And it's frightening to think where this team could even go because we've got to this point without... Leah Williamson, Beth Mead, Frank Kirby, you know, how amazing is that? It is absolutely incredible. I have to say I had goosebumps when Alessia Russo's goal went in and I knew it wasn't going to extra time and I got a bit teary. We did when we when we started speaking afterwards, we both got a little bit little bit emotional, not afraid to say it. We now know our second World Cup finalist. It's going to be Spain against England on Sunday at 11am. It's going to be live on TalkSport. We'll have build-up from 10 o'clock as well. England silenced that sellout crowd at Stadium Australia as the Lionesses became the first English side since 1966 to reach the final on the world stage. So let's hear how it sounded on TalkSport 2 featuring our very own Leanne Sanderson. But as the Women's World Cup 2023 reaches crunch time, Australia v England is centre stage for a semi-final tie like no other. Here is Russo down by the dead ball line, pulling it back towards Alatoon, finds the top corner! England's in a tune, arrives at the World Cup with a stunning goal in the semi-final. She rifled it past the goalkeeper, smack into the top corner. Kerr driving up the middle, Ford is to her left. Kerr into the penalty area, shoots into the top corner. Sam Kerr at the World Cup for Australia. It just had to be her. Not up the middle by Bryson, Hemp might reach this. Carpenter gets back, Hemp is there! Hemp has put it in! England lead again in the semi-final. Lauren Hemp with a poacher's goal. Really poor defending 
from Australia. You can see Sam Kerr looking as if to say, what on earth are we doing in that back line? And now the game is back on. What a game. Him up the middle, do it towards Russo. Russo in the area. Russo to finish it! Alessio Russo sends England to the World Cup final. Wow. I've got goosebumps all over again. It was absolutely incredible and and it kind of swung didn't it I feel like the turning point of the game Leanne when Sam Kerr uh, got the equaliser and uh, the Matildas were knocking heavily on England's door for then Lauren Hemp to go and put them 2-1 up so soon afterwards when Sam Kerr had had missed a couple of really good opportunities for the Matildas I felt like it was all England from then it was, and I think definitely that goal from Sam Kerr was the reason why the Matildas came back into the game because they were so, they underperformed. And I don't know if it's the occasion or what it was. Sometimes as a player, you just have a day where you, no matter what you do, doesn't go for you. And you can prepare the same, you can eat the same, you can sleep the same, and it just doesn't go for you. So I felt like in the first half, Australia was so underwhelming, but then Sam Kerr got that goal and then they seemed like they were pushing for a second. That miss that Sam Kerr had would have made it go 2-2. Two, two. And then in the end, about two minutes later, Alessia Russo goes up the other end and scores to make it 3-1. And I think England deserved that, for sure. Apart from that one moment in the game where that Sam Kerr goal happened, and then there was about five, ten minutes after that, we rode the wave but they never looked like they were panicking mm. the players you know England always looked in control as much as it was at one point it didn't look like it was in control you know and that mistake I think at the back line from Australia Ellie Carpenter I thought Lauren Hemp anticipated that really well but Ellie, Ellie Carpenter's got to be defending that a lot better and we need to give some massive credit to Jess Carter as well. Not for the first time in this tournament, by the way. She made a fantastic interception when Mary Earps had saved, I think it was from Courtney Vine um, at one point, and uh, say, saved and put it into the path of another Australian player. And there was Jess Carter quick as a flash to clear the danger. Yeah, I think the back line, the back three has been brilliant. They've defended very, very well during the tournament. I mean, we didn't start in the back three against Haiti and they've shown how they've got a plan A, B, C, adaptable. Jess Carter has been an interesting player because I felt like at Chelsea the season before last she was brilliant and then played minimal minutes last year same as in the Arnold but Serena Vigman trusts her yeah. because in the Arnold Clark Cup she started in most of those games for England hadn't really played for Chelsea wasn't starting for Chelsea so Serena Vigman knows she can trust her and I think she had has those types of players and Millie Bright I mean, coming into the tournament, she was out for like three or four months. Last time I saw her, she was in a leg cast, mm. you know, at the at Stamford Bridge against Barcelona. Then fast forward a couple of months and she's playing every minute of every game to a World Cup final, leading this team. It's amazing. That is so Millie Bright though, isn't it? And actually, I, I feel as if, you know, in a back three, Jess Carter works brilliantly. I don't feel as confident with her in a in a back four, which is why I agree with you. definitely this back three suits the personnel that Serena Wiegmann has available to her. Let's hear from the uh, England manager, shall we? She spoke to Talk Sports' Courtney Sweetman-Kirk straight after the game. For me personally, the emotions going through me, the excitement, the relief, the pride in the girls, and that's just me. How do you yeah. feel? Yeah, I feel uh, like I, at the moment, really want to party, but the job's <laughs> not done yet. I'm really, so, I'm so happy uh, with, yeah, well, the, the whole picture goes through, uh, like, this game, but how we went through the tournament and, uh, and how we won this game in, in an incredible environment. But, of course, well, uh, 80,000, 80, 85,000 people behind Australia. So, of course, it's going to be a tough game. It's a good team. They grew in the tournament. Uh, it's an away game for us. Uh, but then winning 3-1, it's just really incredible. And even sometimes having hard times, but I thought we, we played well. And the mentality of the girls, you know, the team throughout this tournament, they never say die. You know, through adversity, they, they come forward. I mean, what influence do you have on that? And how do you sort of coach that mentality into these girls? Because it's been incredible. Yeah. Well, first of all, I'm really proud of them, how they do that. Um, and I think they, they of, first of all, what we... What we talk about how we want to play of course we talk to the players and and they give some input in that too uh, so we all belie start believing in it but then so quickly when we we say okay this is the plan the translation from kind of theory to the pitch they're doing so well and that's just really good and sometimes you have to manage the game they have to make their own decisions in the game and that's what they do really well too and of course we have uh, especially in the back, players with lots of experience. And we have also a lot of intelligent uh, players that know how we should do that then. And, and they get that through the whole team, which shows uh, then how we're on the pitch. And yet what we're trying to do is just, 
yeah, create a kind of environment where everyone can be herself, where we, of course, want to become better every day. And this is what these players want too, mm. but also accept mistakes because that's part of the game. And I love seeing the celebrations after the game. You know, the other ones have been slightly more muted, but rightly yeah. so, you've got to celebrate that. And I saw you speaking to the girls, and I know there's some stuff that you have to keep in the group and keep to yourselves, but can you just give us a flavour of what you were telling them? Yeah, of course, accomplishment of the fi final, again, showing real resilience, uh, trying to play our game and, and lots of um, moments we could. Uh, and of course, also some moments that they were very dangerous, but um, yeah, and I'm proud and just um, party a little bit. And then tomorrow we get uh, ready, uh, we start our preparation for Spain. And yeah, what does that look like? What, what are their threats? Spain. Oh. Uh, you ask me later. <laughs> they, they, they're good. Of course, they're very good in possession game. They're very dynamic. Uh, they can also a little bit powerful. But let's first celebrate this moment for a second, and then tomorrow we start talking about Spain. Serena, congratulations, and hopefully I can get an invite to the party on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yes. We'll see. We'll see. Oh, with the swagger there, Courtney Sweeman-Kirk, straight in there. Should we go and party with Serena Vigman, Leanne? I'd love to. I'd love. To. I just wish she was my manager, Faye. I wish she was my mum. No, I have a great one. I wish she was my manager. Honestly, when I was there, the coach, like, how amazing is she? Just genuinely speaking. Oh. Like, I, I honestly, I just can't. Two back-to-back -back European champions, two back-to-back -back World Cup finals mm. with the Netherlands, with two different countries. And she's bringing teams that are nowhere near the best teams and making them great. And the players have to implement the game plan, but it shows you the best coaches to me get the best out of the players individually. And Serena Wiegman, I wish she was there about 10 years ago yeah. when I was there because she lets people be free. She's saying, let's go and party. Do you know, not party genuinely, but she means let's have a good time, you know, have some let's music. Let's see our family. Yeah. She's not saying let's go and have a drink and, you know, forget no. about we're going into the final. Like, and I think, oh my God, that is so refreshing to hear. Yeah. Play with freedom, let them be themselves. And I think you can see this Lionesses team really genuinely are enjoying it. Because there's one thing saying we're a together group. Everybody says that. I played in teams where they say we're together and we haven't been, mm. genuinely. This team is together and they look like they're enjoying their football. And it's just a breath of fresh air, really, Serena Vigman is. But I've said this on another number of occasions because I've been lucky enough over the past uh, couple of years to interview Serena Wiegman on uh, on a regularly and she is a people manager she knows how to communicate with the players she tells them what she wants from them and if she's not getting what she wants from them she tells them how they can improve that if someone's not going to be in the team she tells them why you know that's so important in terms of keeping a really close team dynamic because nobody's then talking behind backs and, you know, trying to second guess what the manager thinks and, and not be themselves. And it's so, so vital. And that's why we're seeing such success from this Lionesses side. And let's hope that they can take it to, to the next level. Look, we'll talk a little bit more about the game and we'll also hear uh, from two of the goal scorers in Alessia Russo and Lauren Hemp, both speaking uh, with Courtney Sweetman-Kirk shortly. This is the Women's World Cup Daily Show on TalkSport 2. Faker Others and Leanne Sanderson with you. Coming up, we'll continue with all the fallout from Australia-England. This is the Women's World Cup Daily Show on TalkSport 2. Don't forget the TalkSport Network is the place to be for all things Women's World Cup. We'll have live commentary of England against Spain in the final on Sunday. It's an 11am kickoff. We'll have build-up from 10 o'clock. It's on TalkSport, so be with us. Uh, thank you for being with us today as well. I'm Faker Rothers. Leanne Sanderson is with me as well. Let's hear from a couple of the goal scorers, shall we? Starting with Alessia Russo, who spoke to our England reporter, Courtney Sweetman-Kirk, after the game. Alessia Russo, World Cup finalist. How does that sound? Yeah, buzzing. Um, can't wait now. Um, I think it was really tough tonight. We knew it would be. We knew they'd have the stadiums filled. We knew they've got players that can hurt us and, and it was exactly that. But I thought uh, we managed the momentum really well in moments. And I think, like I just said, then when Hempo got that goal, it really settled the the dynamic from when they, they obviously got their goal. So, yeah, it's it's about moments in big games and, and we had that tonight. And for you, your goal, almost a, a carbon copy. So how confident were you when that ball drops in that position that you're going to do the same thing, slot it in the corner? Yeah, again, it comes back to what we do in, in finishing practice all the time. So, um, yeah, I was buzzing when it was slipped in and I just thought I had to find the back of the net. Talk to me about those tough moments. What is it about this team throughout this tournament that's never said die, never laid down? You just seem in those tough moments to be able to band together and get it done. Where does that come from? 
I think that comes from us as a group, us as players and the relationship that we have on and off the pitch, but also from Serena. She sets the standard on the pitch every day and we know we've got to dig deep in those moments. But yeah, I think as soon as we step out on that line, we want to fight for each other and we have big dreams as a team. So um, yeah, it means everything. And it was amazing in terms of you celebrated after, I think, you know, the other games. Yes, there was a bit of a celebration, but there was also a focus about yourselves and just seeing Serena as well, just wondering what she was saying because she seemed to be loving it as well obviously yeah she just said that that she was proud and and enjoy the moment and I remember Jill Scott saying to us um, in the Euros you've got to enjoy these moments because there's a lot more lows than high in football but yeah we're on this journey and uh, we're in the final of a World Cup so it means everything and looking ahead to Spain what are you expecting from them They'll be really tough. Um, I think, yeah, they've done incredibly well this tournament, but every single game's been tough this tournament. Uh, there's not been one team that that we've been ta- we've taken lightly. So, um, yeah, it, it's going to be a real tough test, but we'll be ready and, and all prepared. We'll preview uh, the match against Spain towards the end of the show as well. It is about big moments, as Alessia Russo said, and actually to put in a performance like that with pretty much the whole stadium against you takes some guts. And she talked pre-match about how that Columbia game would prepare them uh, to take on the crowd as well as the Matildas. Yeah, and the final's going to be at the same stadium, so the, the luck is there. You know, the feeling as a player when you are winning in stadiums that are against you, they will enjoy these moments. I mean, Alessia Russo, a lot of people were calling for her to be benched after the first game based upon one game against Haiti. And, you know, she's just had that massive signing to Arsenal. What a signing she is, by the way. And I think the fact, again, similar to Ella Toon, Serena Vigman has kept her trust in Alessia Russo, you know, when other people might be saying Rachel Daly should have started there. Now she's adjusted the formation. Beth England didn't come on in the game against Australia, but it has helped her get more minutes, I think, Beth England, because if that formation hadn't changed, Rachel Daly would have still been on the bench. So I think Serena Beekman's managed Alessia Russo really, really well. Again, another goal today. Three goals, you know, what more can you ask for? Especially in big games, you know, you want your forwards to be scoring, but it's the way she's scoring in the big moments, in the big games. And that's what Alessia Russo does. But let's talk about her combination play with Lauren Hemp because I've absolutely loved the two of them playing up front together. I feel like they've they've given each other a lot of support, first and foremost, uh, and freedom at the same time. And then we see Ella Toon, who we're going to talk about uh, in a second. I can't believe it's taken us this long to, to talk about Ella Toon. Um, you know, she was given so much more space because of the play down the left-hand side from Alessia Russo and Lauren Hemp giving Ella Toon that space to then score that wonder goal for the opener. Yeah, I'd absolutely love to know where Serena Vigman's got this one from because it's an absolute steal to see this. And none of us saw this no. before the tournament. We can predict lineups. We can say maybe Rachel Daly might start, Alessia Russo might not. But this whole two, Lauren Hemp and Alessia Russo, no one called that one at all. And no. it's worked unbelievably well. I think Lauren Hemp, not just because not just her goals, but I think she's been brilliant. She really has. And I think she's had the tournament this time round that I think I and everybody expected her to have at the Euros. That tournament was almost set up for Beth Mead. She did amazing. Beth Mead got all the accolades and Lauren Hemp didn't really have much of an impact coming in and out of games. But this tournament, she's been amazing. And fair play to Serena Vigman. And that's why she's one of the best coaches in the world, if not the best, based upon these types of decisions. Because she sees things that other, pe- other people don't see. I feel as if Lauren Hemp has just... She was my player of the match, by the way. I still don't know who actually was awarded player of the match. I haven't seen because we've literally come straight off air, straight into doing the podcast and various amounts of reaction. But for me, Lauren Hemp was was England's player of the match. So why don't we hear from her? She was also speaking to Courtney Sweeman-Kirk. Congratulations. What an achievement. World Cup finalist. How does that feel? I'm like, no words can describe. I feel like what every single player in the squad is feeling right now. Like, what an unforgettable night. Um, yeah, it showed resilience, grit and determination and we managed to get the job done and what an incredible feeling it is to get be in a final. And you speak about that resilience all the way through the tournament. You know, when it may be looked down and out, never say die attitude, you're always coming back. Where does that come from? Is it the you know, within the group? Is it Serena? Is it a mix of everything? I feel like there's so much inner belief in this squad. Like, it's crazy. Like, no matter what's happening in the outside world, I feel like we all have so much confidence in the team, confidence in ourselves to go out and do a job. And I feel like no matter whatever thing we've come up against, we've managed to um, 
show, like I said, our resilience to sort of come back and obviously get the job done, which is what we've done throughout this whole tournament. And the magnitude of the moment probably won't hit you now, but I think like, for me personally, it's a massive moment. I'm so excited to be at a World Cup final. Everyone at home is going to be buzzing. Mm -hmm. Do you think it's, is it hit you yet or is it going to sink in the next few days? To be honest, it's not hit me just yet, but I feel like when that final whistle went, I feel like it was just so much relief for everyone. But yeah, we're now in a World Cup final and it's something for us to enjoy over the next coming days. Um, and yeah, it's something that a lot of us have never been in. So yeah, it'll be an unbelievable occasion and one that hopefully we'll thrive in. And for you, we see you in the WSL more as a wide player. You've took more of a central role, right place at the right time against Colombia mm -hmm. as all good forwards. And today, just forcing something out of nothing, really. Just how have you adapted to that new role? Um, it's always exciting. I mean, it, I mean, it looks like you've adapted really yeah, well. I've really enjoyed <laughs> it, actually. Um, it's something different. And I feel like I'm such an instinct type of player that I just enjoy being out there. No matter where I am on the pitch, I feel like in that role, I'm sort of more free to sort of do as I please, I guess, left, right, centre, anywhere. I mean, I seem to be running quite a lot recently. Um, but yeah, no, I'm loving it playing there, to be honest. And don't want to take you away from this moment too much, but, mm. you know, Spain to come, how excited are you and what are you expecting from them? Yeah, I'm really excited. Obviously, we've got a lot of respect for Spain. We've played them in the Euros before, played them plenty of times as well. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be an exciting challenge, but I think you've seen us excel in many of the challenges that we've come up against so far, but they're going to be something different, but we're really excited for it. And speaking of respect, I think in all your wins, you've been so, so humble mm -hmm. with what you've been doing. So I'm just wondering, like, you know, for the moment for Australia, obviously they're disappointed, but how big is it for them to, to get to this moment in the World Cup? Oh, yeah, it's massive. I think we experienced it a lot last year at the summer, obviously it being a home Euros, obviously it being home for Australia, like it's an incredible tournament that they've put on and the amount of fans that they got coming out was incredible, like the noise for Sam, Sam's goal was unbelievable. But yeah, I mean, I felt like we thrived under pressure and we managed to silence the crowd a bit. Yeah, they certainly did silence the crowd. It was actually absolute sucker punch. Ella Toon's goal and then Lauren Hemp's to, to make it 2-1 when the crowd had really been behind the Matildas as well. She speaks so well, Lauren Hemp, doesn't she? And, you know, we talked about the fact that we maybe didn't see the best of her um, at the Euros last year, but she's come into her own. And again, it's that Serena Wiegmann player management seeing... The, the skills and the attributes that players have to put them in a position that maybe they don't necessarily think about themselves. Yeah, for in. sure. And I think there's competition for places as well in those areas. You know, you've got Chloe Kelly can play on the right or the left, Lauren James, left or right. You know, I think all of our front and line can 10. play anywhere. And in the 10, yeah, and I think a lot of them can be interchangeable. So fair play to Serena Wiegmann because she's kept her trust in Lauren Hemp because at times I'm probably sure she probably felt like she might have come out of the lineup based upon how much better the other wingers were doing. Whereas she, coming into that position, I mean, the adaptation to come into that area and do well, that shows me how well the coaches are doing as well because mm. one thing is coaching a player and then being able to implement it so quickly mm in the games is quite incredible really especially in a tournament and I love that about Serena Wiegmann because it's not rigid it's not robotic it's like okay these are the cards we're being dealt we're gonna we're gonna hand them you know what I mean like and it doesn't matter what happens they're adaptable they're resilient anything they went behind against Colombia in a hostile crowd when everybody was on Colombia's side most of the fans were and they came back today in front of all those fans, you know, 80,000 in Australia, they, they they can do it. Yeah, they can do it, but there were a few occasions and spells in the game where they were a little bit sloppy. Not entirely sure they'll fully get away with that against Spain. What are they going to want to work on? We're going to preview the Spain game at, at the end of the show. But, but what specifically did they do wrong today that they're going to want to rectify in the final? I think unforced errors in the back line. I've been really complimentary of the back three, especially. But Rachel Daly was getting pinned back quite a bit today due to the fact that, you know, Australia with Caitlin Ford, Hayley Rasso are so dynamic going forward. But I think we have to take better care of the ball defensively. But that's being hypercritical. Kira Walsh wasn't able to get on the ball because I felt like Mary Fowler was dropping in really, really well on her, or Sam Kerr was, whichever side the ball was on. And I felt like Kira Walsh couldn't get on the ball. I still think players like Georgia Stanway and those types of players can have more of an impact on the games. But I just think we need to build a bit better from the back because I think sometimes today we were kicking. There was a couple of times in the first half where we kicked the ball out of play, similar to what we did against Denmark. You know, those types of things start mm. to creep back in. So no complacency. Ultimately, you want the complete performance. But 
you can't have everything, can you? Like, no. you know, we can't have everything. So I'm, I'm delighted the players and fair play to them for getting us to a final. And But against Spain, it will be completely different than it against Australia. But I have no doubt the Lionesses can come through with this one. I have to say, I did worry when Georgia Stanway put that effort in the sixth minute, I think it was, uh, wide. And I thought, why on earth did you make that? Ch- you had the narrowest of angle and you had the whole of the rest of the goal. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you, she didn't you went get for hold the near, po- near post and should have gone for, for the far corner. Uh, but, you know, they... they they got themselves uh, back organised and I have to say uh, just a final point on on this semi-final today I really enjoyed it it's the first first match apart from that um, China game which was fun it's the first match I fully enjoyed yeah. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I think so. I think it's interesting because during the tournament, I think we've kind of grown and they might have not been the prettiest performances, but today it felt like a really professional performance. I think everybody implemented the game plan. I think it's interesting because I genuinely believe a lot of these teams seem to be running scared of England because against like, you know, Australia, against Nigeria, it's almost like the players don't seem to perform. China, mm. you know, they didn't come out at all. And it was almost like happy days for England because if I'm playing in that game against China, I'm thinking I want the ball all the time. So taking nothing away from the performances at all, I just think today Australia will be really disappointed because they didn't really show up. If you look at them individually, their players, they just had an off day. Well, we'll talk about them in a second. This is the Women's World Cup Daily Show on TalkSport 2. Faker Others and Leanne Sanderson with you. Coming next, we will hear from the Australia camp to see how co-hosting the World Cup will have a lasting effect for women's football in the country. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. You're listening to the Women's World Cup Daily Show on TalkSport 2 in association with Zero, small business accounting software and proud partner of the FIFA Women's World Cup 2023. TalkSport have live commentary of the Women's World Cup final at 11am on Sunday. It's England against Spain and we'll be building up from 10am in the morning. I'm Faker Others and Leanne Sanderson is alongside me. It's been a really historic experience for Australia co-hosting this Women's World Cup. Viewing figures for their quarter-final game against France reported the biggest television audiences for a sporting event in more than two decades since Cathy Freeman won gold at the Sydney Olympics back in 2000. It was an average of 4.23 million. I guarantee that that semi-final against England will have smashed that as well. Uh, didn't account either for the hordes of fans who descended on the fan parks and congregated around large screens and met at the pub as well to cheer on the Matildas. And even before a ball was kicked in Australia and New Zealand, the 2023 FIFA Women's World Cup was making history. It was the first to be co-hosted by nations from different confederations. It sold more tickets than ever before and was expanded from 24 to 32 teams with bigger prize money for the players as well. They reached their first ever World Cup semi-final, the Australians, but it feels like Australia have really cemented their place on the world stage. It was a 3-1 defeat to England in the end, but Australia manager Tony Gustafsson was proud of his players regardless. It's more than 90-minute football. 
Um, they worked hard, they and the generations before worked hard to be in, in this moment. Um, obviously, it's a bit emotional to sit here and talk about that when you lose a semi-final. I hate to lose, uh, but I've said it before, it's bigger than 90-minute football. We're very disappointed that we lost, but hopefully we won something else. Uh, we won the heart and the passion for this, for this game in this country. But I agree with the players. Uh, this is not the end of something. This needs to be the start of something. And with that comes money as well. How impressed were you with Australia in this tournament, Leanne? Yeah, I think after the first game against Republic of Ireland, there was a few nerves that will always happen, especially being the, one of the host nations. I think obviously against Republic of Ireland, they got quite fortunate with that penalty. But then I think they've grown into themselves. They were kind of peaking at the right time. And I think there's been some real star performers in Steph Catley. I thought was really good. Taking away from today, because I think against England, a lot of players underperformed. But I think if you look at the performances on this entirety of the tournament. I think Caitlin Ford had a good tournament. I think Steph Catley, Katrina Gorey, I'm a really big fan of hers. I think she's a fantastic player, really good on the ball. And I think against England was probably the most consistent player on the Australian team, even though they, weren't in, even though they wasn't in possession a lot. So I think they've taken their country really, really far. I think a lot of the Matildas, that documentary I watched before the tournament, you can kind of get an idea of what the players are about individually because ultimately everyone knows about Sam Kerr because she's a hero, she's a rock star. And I think you have to see what all of these players have been through to get to this point. Now, I think it's fantastic that a lot of the Matildas also play in Europe. You know, Ellie Carpenter, Caitlin Ford, Steph Catley, Hayley Rasso's just signed for Real Madrid. So a lot of their players are playing in the top leagues and in the top teams. And I think that's made a difference to the Matildas' development as well. But they're putting their country on the map, you know, to see the amount of fans that are coming out, which isn't necessarily historically a footballing nation. You know, we look at the cricket and the allegiance of the Ashes of England and Australia but I think with the attendances the way the country's got behind them I think they'll definitely grow from this and I think maybe like coming into the tournament they had high expectations um, they're ranked 10th in the world of course but that huge injury to Sam Kerr at the beginning which meant that we didn't see her maybe meant that they went a little bit under the radar and World Cup fever didn't quite hit Australia as we maybe thought it might have done and if Sam Kerr had been available and banging in the goals in the group stage we'd have felt that fever beforehand I mean, she came into this game and started and we weren't entirely sure that she was going to start. And, and, you know, credit to her, that goal she scored for the equaliser was so Sam Kerr. I didn't see the backflip, which is probably wise when you've got a calf injury, I might suggest. Could she have done any more, though, because she uh, headed over the, over the crossbar at one point, put that six-yard volley wide? You know, w- would peak Sam Kerr have scored those goals? Do you know what? I think I want to give credit to the goal she did score because I was screaming at her to almost play it to Caitlin Ford because she was wide open. But Sam Kerr took a touch out of her foot and just ripped it top corner. What a strike. Took a little bit of a deflection mm. off of Millie Bright, not taking anything away from the goal. But maybe that's why I met... I don't think Mary Ops were getting anywhere near it anyway. But I think it's hard for me to sit here and say Sam Kerr could have done more because for a player to have been out with that injury, you know, she stepped up against France, took a penalty. She could have shied away. She didn't shy away to say, but from a player's perspective, she will be replaying over and over again that volley that she had inside the box, you know, from six yards, genuinely. Mm. You know, you're waiting for the net to ripple, thankfully. From an England perspective, it didn't. But you'd expect you'll put your money, your house, on Sam Kerr scoring that from there. And I know she'll be probably beating herself up about that because you do, from any player's perspective, especially a centre-forward, You don't. she won't be thinking about that goal she scored. She'll be thinking what she could have done to help her country. And I don't think she possibly could have done any more. She showed up even when she's probably still carrying that injury she didn't look as sharp but who would you've been out with that injury so I think Sam Kerr can hang her head high but she will be thinking about that chance because nine times out of ten that goes in the back of the net even if it was a defender in that position it was so close to the goal mm. it's out for her and it goes over the headed one I don't think I think that was a bit more you know under a, a lot more pressure I don't think she quite knew where the ball was no. when she hit that but then I kind of I feel as if that was the momentum shift in the game because all the momentum was with Australia if they'd have then got the second goal and pushed on I feel as if there would have been a little bit of panic from uh, from England and actually in the end you know as we spoke about the game management from England was was absolutely fantastic. Just a quick word on the manager Tony Gustafsson who we just heard from there. I mean he's got them playing some really really good football. Do you think that comes from his experience with the US national team maybe? Yeah, I think he's a calm guy. You know, I was with him at the FA Cup final last year and we watched the game in the same area and you know you can see he's quite calm. You, you can see him watching the game 
dissecting it in his intricacies as well. So I think definitely US Women's National Team, you know, back-to-back World Cups, historically are known for winning from 99. And look at what's building with these teams. And I think a lot of these coaches have seen what can happen when a country falls in love with a team. And I think that's happened with the Lionesses. Look at how much this has kicked on now. You know, and then obviously with Australia... They'll be disappointed to lose this game for sure. But I think Tony Gustafsson's done a really good job. This one will hurt, not just for days, not just for weeks, probably months. Because look at the you're not going to get a better opportunity to win a World Cup. They're ranked 10th in the world. Nobody expects them to win the tournament coming in. But only they're probably some to people's favourites based upon being a host nation. But realistically, when you look at all the other countries... Australia weren't really my favourites to win the tournament. Well, they had a tough group, didn't they, in the first place with with, with Canada in it as well. But I, I kind of, I feel as if they had the momentum with them towards the end, but they've still made history and I feel like this is an important time for the country. But do you see them pushing on to really compete on the world stage more often now? Yeah, all you can ask for is progression and I think they've definitely made progression throughout the years. I remember when I played against them in the Cyprus Cup, you know, years ago and they were never that team that everybody looked up and thought, do you know what, they're going to be really a force to be reckoned with and I think Tony Gustafsson's done a really good job since he's gone in there because I think they've gone to another level hence mm. the fact they're in the semi-final you know and they're winning games even I would say years ago you know Australia probably Republic of Ireland would have been on the similar level but in going into these games individually a lot of their players now play in the WSL now playing the best leagues you know in France so I feel like they've gone individually to another level and they've had a, they've got a coach that's allowed them to do that as well and this one will hurt for a long time but after everything's calmed down and you've kind of, you know, thought about what you've done for your country, I think then people start to realise exactly what the midfielders have done for Australia and they've done an amazing job. And we saw it, didn't we? Breaking viewing figures, seeing all the scenes from the fan parks. It really felt like the Euros for England last year out in Australia, which is going to be vital for them going forward. But you mentioned earlier on as well, a load of the players play in the WSL. Mary Fowler only made 11 appearances, I think, for Manchester City this season. She's still so young, what, 20 years of age? Is that right? You know, she could have a breakthrough season for Manchester City and a player like that, and of course, what we know from Sam Kerr for Chelsea, is only going to get more eyes on the women's game down under. Yeah, for sure. And I think there's players, when they play in the top teams, you know, like an Arsenal, like Caitlin Ford, Steph Catley, they're playing in Champions Leagues. You know, they're playing on the biggest stage against Wolfsburg in the semi-final sold out Emirates Stadium. So that's when you're going to get eyes on them. And I think individually, everything's always going to be based upon Sam Kerr, as it should be, you know, playing for Chelsea and she's an icon in their country. But I think there's also other players, as we've seen during the tournament that stepped up. I felt like today it was almost like a real blessing that Sam Kerr was back, but also a curse to a certain degree based upon the fact they kept forcing it. Steph Catley, every time she got the ball, just tried to find Sam Kerr, even when it wasn't on. And I felt like all the players were doing that. And I understand why, because mm. she's one of the best in the world. She's you the want focal, to get your best. She's the focal point. She yeah. is. But then sometimes I think that becomes too much. And I felt like in the first half, they were just forcing it, but then they didn't have the quality to force it. Because in the second half, there was one ball, I think it was Gory that played. Sam Curry in and yeah. it was a really good ball mm. really good ball and she nearly got in and it was more of a purposeful ball yeah do you think you know bearing in mind what we've said about the, the players that play in the WSL uh, for Australia if you if we want if we as a whole as in as women's football globally obviously we want to see the best players in the WSL because you know that that's our country's domestic league for Australia they need to capitalise on this wave and actually a lot of their players play in Europe um, and America, do they need to keep hold of them and improve what's going on in Australia in order to elevate the game even more? Um, yes and no, really. I think, obviously, back in the day, when I say back in there a few years ago, everybody used to go and play in Australia in the off-season. It was almost like playing America, six months on, six months off. A lot of my teammates used to go and play in Brisbane or Perth or wherever, and it's always been a strong league, but it was only for three months. Mm. So, realistically, that's why a lot of people left, because it was a winter season, you know, our winter, um, December till, like, February, March time. And then everybody, but you can't play for just three months, so you're not going to attract the best players. Mm. I personally don't think that a lot of their players will end up going back there right now based upon the quality. Why would they leave playing for European teams? But having said that, a lot of them played in America, now they play in England. So I think the European clubs are getting stronger and better because when I moved to America, everybody went. There was about 12 of us, you know, that went over there from England. I don't think that's happening anymore. No, it definitely isn't. Listen, you and I are going to have a lot of chat about Spain leading into the final on Sunday, which is live on TalkSport. You're going to be part of our commentary team alongside Joe Shannon. Um, It's been a delight, as it always is, to share the airwaves with you, Leanne Sanderson. I shall see you soon. Yes, you will. How 
exciting is this? We're preparing for a World Cup final. We did the Euros last year. No. Now we've got the World Cup final. Get in. You're listening to the Women's World Cup Daily Show on TalkSport 2. I'm Faker Ruthers. Uh, coming up, we're going to get fully stuck into previewing the World Cup final with Jen O'Neill from She Kicks magazine. You're listening to the Women's World Cup Daily Show in association with Zero, small business accounting software and proud partner of England Women. Dream bigger. Well, the Lionesses no longer need to dream about a Women's World Cup final because they're in one. And I am delighted to say that fresh from Stadium Australia, Jen O'Neill from She Kicks magazine joins me. Jen, how are you doing? Uh, I think I'm all right. <laughs> We've sort of, it's a bit of a dreamland we're in. It it feels like that, doesn't it? Myself and Leanne Sanderson were just talking about that. I had goosebumps on the final whistle and got a little bit teary, actually, which, I, I mean, I'm just quite an emotional person, to be fair. But, you know, you have been involved in women's football for, for far longer than I have. Before we dig into previewing this final against Spain, just tell me how it feels from your perspective. Oh, I have to be honest and say that I, I detach myself from it so much because it's sort of feels so big so my first world cup was in 99 and then 2003 and that was a time when england didn't even play in world cups never mind get to finals so the and then witnessing what happened in 2015 and then 2019 them going so close it it was really nice to speak to alex greenwood and lucy bronze in the mix zone just before because they're two players who really deserve this and and i think they were two with a better performance i think tonight i think greenwood has just been outstanding this tournament Mm. Uh, and she said it hasn't sunk in for her yet either no no it doesn't and it it felt at one point when sam kerr equalized there was a little part of me just thought oh my god here we go again uh from uh, 2019 you know three times especially what we saw with sweden as well three times at world cup semi-finalists please don't let this happen uh again but it didn't and england will play spain in the final on Sunday. Uh, We don't have a show before then, uh, a live one anyway, so it's probably a really good time to preview that game and what better person to preview it with than than with you, Jen, as well, I would say. So uh, Spain have actually only won one of their previous seven Women's World Cup matches before they came into this tournament and they now head to the final uh, after their fifth and most dramatic victory in New Zealand. The historic win for Spain came just 15 days, I can't quite believe this, after they were being beaten 4-0 by Japan in a group match which I watched and they were four counter-attacking goals with Spain having the majority of the possession and they'd come into this tournament you'll all remember under a massive cloud as well after 15 players had threatened to quit the team after being unhappy with manager Jorge Vilda's methods and the coach initially exiling them from the squad three of those 15 Mariona Caldente Aitana Bonmati and former Manchester United defender Ona Batcher were eventually included in his squad for the World Cup. But it feels as if Spain have put the differences to one side off the pitch, on the pitch, if that makes sense. And obviously those three players helped La Roja reach the first ever World Cup final as well. I mean, it's pretty impressive when you think about everything that's uh, that's gone on behind the scenes for them to have got to this point. Yeah, I think there is a... It's like feeling that they've done it in spite of the coaching staff. And there's some stuff on social media you can see even at the when the, the squad was unveiled and they announced him. And if you look at the, the body language and the facial expressions of the players on the stage when Vilda was um, supposedly clapped onto the onto the stage, the, 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 it is strange. They celebrate without him. It's it's an odd scenario, but you cannot deny the quality that they have on the field and the way that they can, the, the way that they play football, basically. And we always detract from their performances by saying, oh, it's pretty, but no end product. Well, they're in the World Cup final and they've got a real chance of winning it. That Japan game is will provide quite interesting viewing for Serena Wiegmann and her staff, I think, because there are some clues as to how you can draw Spain in and then counter punch um, and I, I think it, it's going to be fascinating because England controlled the game tonight against Australia yeah. they will not be able to do that against Spain because Spain will possess the ball that is their style and, and they actually, don't like playing three at the back though I don't think they find that harder to break down so the formation that England have discovered almost mm. and are coming into their own playing 
in this tournament will serve them well, I think, against Spin in the final. There is a little part of me that doesn't think they've just discovered it. You know, I wonder whether they've kind of looked all the way ahead. I know how meticulous Serena Wiegmann and her coaching staff are in terms of their preparation. I wonder if they've had it in their back pocket, wondering who they might meet potentially in the final. And actually we saw, didn't we, and, and when I spoke to Serena Wiegmann leading into the European Championship quarterfinal against Spain, she said England aren't going to have it their own way they're going to have to get used to not having the ball and you saw that England performance albeit against a different Spain side than what we're going to see on Sunday they did start to get frustrated and they were so close to going out of the tournament as well but this feels like this England side are a little bit more experienced now what are they going to learn and what are they going to look to exploit Uh, from in terms of Spain yes I think I think knowing that you you can beat them that's huge. I think you you hit on the experience thing. Although it almost feels slightly like Spain, the senior side have come out of nowhere because they're a very young tournament side in that sense. Twenty fifteen first World Cup, but they're hugely successful at youth level. So a lot of their players have won on the world or European stage at under seventeen or under nineteen slash under under twenties. I think that. Again, we, we, we talk about that Japan game. They hit Spain on the break very quickly. And I, I just think, and I said discovered that formation, not that Serena hadn't, they hadn't discussed it before because she did say that they'd thought about it. It's more that the players and the connections they're making with each other on the field, that it feels like they're discovering their, their mojo. It's coming back game by game. Things like Hemp and Russo up front. I think that, they will be hard to defend against. So what you do with Spain is you let them have the ball, and then when you get the ball, you you do your thing. I'm I, it's I'm not a um a pro licensed coach that's had the time to sort of digest how you would uh, combat that. But England definitely have the firepower, and that like I say, that three at the back, and then the wing backs, and and just the ultimate competitors who know how to win. In in Lucy Bronze, for example, Lucy and Kira. She says that uh, Lucy says she's been messaging some of the uh, Barca teammates over the last few weeks. They understand how they play, so they mm. have that little bit of insight. And obviously, Ona Bacha understands uh, some of the England players from her Man United time as well. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting, isn't it? Because they all do know each other's game quite well. But, you know, Lucy Bronze and, and Kira Welsh, as you say, have already said that, you know, it's going to be interesting in terms of the, the tactics. They can give some inside information from that Barcelona team. But it's really interesting. I'd forgotten that aspect of Spain in terms of them winning through the youth ranks. And when you look at Salma Paraluelo, who's had a fantastic tournament, I feel. I wonder if Jorge Vilda is looking at potentially starting her or using her as that impact sub that we've seen him do. She obviously scored the winner in, in the quarterfinal and scored the opener for them in, in the semi final. She is some talent. I think that um, she's the reason they're in the final. I think it would be naive to suggest any different because without her, they're, they're the same Spain that didn't get through the, the semis and the final in the Euros last summer. They're, mm. the, they're the team that plays pretty football, but um, without any you know um, killer instinct up front. She's the, the fast-paced player that spearheads things and, and makes things happen. And time and again, she's the player that cuts through the opponent's defence and, and then provides the finishing touch, as we saw against Sweden. I th- think she's the player that frightens me but then I you I suppose we're English so you sort of worry when is this going to end it's that sort of slight pessimism or realism of trying to protect yourself but this England team just keeps on producing it's it's absolutely incredible it happened last summer and it and it's happening again this this summer slash winter here down under it's you have to start to believe in the way that they believe that they they just they just keep winning it's it's incredible to witness i know and and i, I did believe right from the start even even <laughs> even well, after watching that haiti performance I um i i really thought that that this england side could go all the way and you know it's going to be really interesting seeing them they they have experience now of a major final um, against Germany, yeah. which they ultimately went on and won, albeit in the circumstances where they were on home turf. But they can almost turn Stadium Australia into home turf this time, I would say, because a lot of Australian fans, you know, uh, will probably switch allegiances 
for one game only from Matildas to, to Lionesses potentially and Stadium Australia could could be a difficult place for the Spanish to, to, to have to deal with. I, I like what you're saying and I'm hoping that it's true. And I, I think can, I give, can I give you one other piece of positivity right. in that case? <laughs> yes, Spain, no, it's, I love it. Spain are having to I fly somebody... over. They're having to fly over from New Zealand and yeah. England have made I themselves very comfortable in Sydney. Yeah, it's true. The Interregal, it's their base. It was something that they planned all along. Spain have an extra day, but if you've got to travel during that, then you know how much of a of a benefit is that? I think they would have hoped that this game would have gone extra time, but it didn't. I think England benefited from tonight from Australia. Um, they, they looked slightly heavy legged. They didn't win as many second balls, and it in England knew that if they could uh, control the game and keep the ball, then it would quieten the crowd. And and they executed that game plan perfectly, apart from the odd sort of really um, terrifying wayward pass. There were one or two sloppy passes that actually gave Australia chances, and they can't do that against Spain. They really do need to tidy that up, otherwise you do fear that they will be uh, punished for that. And the other worry as well is that Sam Kerr's shot was phenomenal, but it's a long-range strike that's beaten Mary Earps. Mm. And obviously, Bulga Carmona hitting that um, barnstorming drive to to put Spain into the final. That's something that they need to make sure that they, they don't allow England. Yeah, uh, I'm going to make you make a prediction now. I'm really sorry, but you're going to have to. Um, I got the Columbia score right, 2-1. And tonight, I don't know, I thought that, well, I say tonight's this morning, isn't it, for others? I thought, um, I wasn't sure. I, I think, okay, I, I reckon we can, I think reckon England can do it 2-0. There you go. 2-0. Okay, I'm going 2-1 after extra time. I'm, I I reckon it might go like the uh, the quarterfinal uh, did at the European Championships and give us all a heart attack. <laughs> That's what I reckon. I'm floating on cloud nine, though. So if you ask me again tomorrow when I've, hit the ground again then I might be more realistic okay I'll message you brilliant stuff thank you so (laughs) much Uh, lovely to talk to you as always Jen take care appreciate it thank you take care Jen and believe I believe believe Ted Lasso Jen O'Neill there from She Kicks magazine. Remember, you can catch the final between Spain and England. Live commentary on Talk Sport this Sunday at 11am and we'll have build-up from 10am. If you miss this episode live or you duck in halfway through, don't worry. We're also available on podcast as well. Plenty of places that you can download us. But thank you to Leanne Sanderson, Jen O'Neill, Courtney Sweetman-Kirk, Serena Viegman, Alessia Russo, Lauren Hemp, producer Maya, and of course, all of you as ever for listening. Don't forget, if you do miss any of the shows, download the Women's World Cup show live via the TalkSport app. Our next show is on Sunday where we'll finally know who the winners of the World Cup are. Next year on TalkSport 2, Fight Night Extra. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.